This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. As I mentioned, a conference that we had the last couple of days, we had a great opportunity the last two days to serve a bunch of youth and young people, not just from our church and our faith community, but also at least eight other churches uh, came uh, to gather together. And this room was full of young people the last two days, full of young people, full of energy, full of great things happening, worshiped God, great messages going forward. And I had so many church leaders uh, come up after last night's session and just thanking me. And really, they weren't thanking me. They were thanking you. Uh, and I want to thank you on their behalf for all of the time that you spent praying for conference, all of the investment that you gave financially to support the conference. And then also, we had over 100 people come and serve over the last two days. So I wanted to say thank you to you. Well, we had one of the pastors from Faith Family, we had him stay over uh, this morning. He was here for the conference. He got to speak to some of our young people yesterday. And I had a chance uh, to meet Josh, uh, Pastor Josh, who is coming to minister to you this morning. Just a really great guy, a tremendous individual, such a character, young man. I'm happy to know him. Uh, he's kind of on the quiet side. And so, but I, I had a chance to hear him preach earlier this year at their church. And I was like, Hello. So good. Such a great time listening to a minister. Now, he barely made it in the country. They were actually in Dallas at another event. And then they got to the, you know, the airport. And I'm not sure if it was the devil trying to keep him out or just a really mean person who works for the airline. But they didn't let him on the plane. And so he had to fly to Cleveland. And then he drove over the border. I mean, he was going to get here to be able to speak to you this morning. So let's welcome Pastor Josh Pancher to the stage this morning. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Doing good. Thank you, Pastor Brent. It's an honor to be here. And uh, you and Miss Nicole are just um, an inspiration to me as leaders. Give me someone to look up to. And the conference that you just saw on the screen, what happened in the lives of young people this weekend. And I got to be here and get a front row seat to see it. It, it was truly amazing um, how passionate they were for Jesus. Those types of moves of God don't happen unless you have leaders that blaze the trail for it to happen and who believe in it and invest in it. And so I just want to honor you for a moment and say thank you for doing that. Thank you for investing in the now generation. And I hope that you know here, church, that you are blessed with some of the best pastors that I've had the privilege of knowing. So can we hear it for them one more time? Just honor them really quickly. And then the one thing that I learned that we do have in common, Pastor Brent and I, is we are the result of great parents. And uh, I just want to honor your parents as well. Thank you for having a vision, God-given vision, and seeing it through, answering the call and being faithful even now. Uh, man, so inspired. And my faith is stirred in seeing what's possible when you just say yes to God. So thank you for doing that. Um, like he mentioned, I'm from Faith Family Church. And uh, man, I've been a part of Faith Family uh, my entire life. Since I was two years old, I've been attending Faith Family. We just celebrated 30 years as a church last weekend. And God is doing some, some amazing things. So I've been there since the church was three months old, 29 and a half years 
and uh, my parents have served faithfully as family care pastors for 20 years. And so um, I've been planted in that soil, and I am a firm believer that if you aren't planted in the local church, that if you aren't planted here but you would call this home, man, get planted. The Bible says whoever's planted in the house of the Lord, their life will flourish. And uh, I truly believe that that's where you discover giftings that you didn't even know you had by being planted in the local church. I'm so thankful to be a part of a great church like yours that believes in the next generation as the now generation because I'm truly a product of that. And I'm married. Uh, My wife Jillian and I have been married for 10 years. And, uh, man, I'm just sorry that you had to deal with me this morning and you didn't get her because she's definitely the better half. We have two kids, Jude, who's five, and Weston, who's two. They're going to put a picture up. And uh, Jude is awesome, man. He has not been able to FaceTime me the entire time because he's five years old and, and Hanging out with dad is still cool, so he like he starts to get emotional whenever we're on FaceTime, so we've had to just text the entire time. And then Weston, who's on the left, he's two years old, and he's crazy. Uh, so pray for us. I don't know where he gets that, but um, that's my family, and uh, man, I love my family. They are, they are such a blessing, blessing to me. But let's get right into it uh, this morning, if we can. Will you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13? While you're doing that, I just want to honor a couple more people. I have uh, Derek, who is on the front row uh, right there. He traveled here with me through the long journey because I didn't bring a passport. I had a passport card, and so they wouldn't let me on the airplane. So he traveled for 15 hours with me to get here, and uh, just a a great guy. has been a great friend uh, since we were in junior high. And also Chad traveled with me too, my friend Chad back there behind the booth. He's been my friend since I was 13 as well, and we picked him up in Cleveland when we had to fly back there because we weren't able to fly to Toronto. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys for being just great friends and great, uh, encouragers in my life. So first Samuel chapter 16 verses one through 13, it says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as King of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there for I have selected one of his sons to be my King. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. How many of you are thankful in here this morning that, that God doesn't see things the way that people see things? That people might look on the outward, but God is looking inward at the heart. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm so thankful for that. It says, then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one that the Lord has chosen. Next, Samuel summoned, or Jesse summoned Samaya. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven 
of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are there any more or are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We won't sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought, and he anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. I think this story is just absolutely crazy. And I want you to, for a moment, put yourself in the story. Put yourself in this story and, and maybe even put yourself in the shoes of, of David. I'm sure that there was some sort of like commotion about what was going on. And I'm sure that there was some excitement about what was going on. But, but here's Jesse, and he has these seven sons. He actually has eight sons. But he brings his seven sons. Samuel is there. And they're going to appoint the new king. And David isn't even invited to the party. Like, David isn't even invited. And even after Samuel goes through the other seven, he asks Jesse, like, hey, um... This is weird. None of, none of these guys are it. Do you, do you have another son? And Jesse's like, ah, well, there's, there's David. But, but he's out in the field. He's tending to the sheep and the goats. David, it's, it's David. And Samuel's like, go, go get him at once. I think this is fascinating because, because I have a great earthly father and, uh, and I can say this, that even if anybody else doesn't vote for me, I think my dad would vote for me. Like, like, and most of you could say the same. If anybody, if you're going to have anybody's vote, it would be your own father. Like, even if everybody else didn't like you, you can even make some mistakes along the way and, and dad still got you. You know what I mean? But, but David finds himself still out in the field and Jesse is like hesitant even after Samuel asks him again. And I wonder if David found himself in a position that, that we often do. Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever felt inferior? Have you ever felt like opportunities just seem to pass you by or float right over you to other people? Have you ever felt like things just weren't really working out? Have you ever felt overlooked? Because I want to encourage you in here today that you might be overlooked by man. But you've been handpicked by God. Think about David for a moment. David was faithful in the field. In fact, David, while in the field, he killed the lion. He killed the bear. He was a good, good shepherd. He did a good job. He was good at what he was doing. He was being faithful in that field. But even though he was faithful to his field, it didn't keep him from being overlooked by his own father, overshadowed by his brothers. 
but yet still handpicked by God and appointed to do something special. Can I just encourage a few people on a Sunday morning that even though it may not seem like it right now in the natural, that you have been handpicked by God, that he has created you for a purpose, that you are his masterpiece, and he has anointed you for something special on this earth. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you make some noise this morning, let out a shout of praise this morning. If you believe that God has called you, if you believe that he's anointed you, if you believe that he's set you apart for something special. Man, I'm so thankful this morning that God has a call on my life and on your life and that no one else can fulfill that call except for you being you and me being me. But I think it's interesting that David finds himself in this field, but but even though he's in the field, he still is the called and the, and the choice of God. And I wonder how many of you would find yourself in a, in a field this morning. What if what you and I view as being forgotten and overlooked, God actually views as being strategically positioned for his purpose? What if what you and I are looking at, maybe you look at where you're at today and you're like, yeah, I'm definitely in a field season. I definitely feel overlooked. Sometimes I feel inferior. Sometimes I know the dreams that God placed in my heart, but I wonder, are they actually going to come to fruition? Is it actually possible? And I want to just encourage you that where you're placed today is going to point you to your purpose tomorrow. If God has you somewhere, then he's in it. He's faithful. He'll see you through. And I believe wholeheartedly that some of you might have been overlooking the place that you're in. And you might feel overlooked in the place you're in, but you've been strategically placed by God to have a purpose, not just in the future, but right now. Every time your feet hit the floor, it's an opportunity to be used by God to impact people. Look at the life of Jesus. He brought hope, help, and healing to everyone around him every single day. Every time he was going anywhere, he was bringing hope, help, and healing in the spot that he was in. But that's not the message this morning. I want to talk to you about three things that you and I, that we're going to have to keep ourselves guarded against if we want to be found faithful. Three things that you and I, we're going to have to guard ourselves against if we want to be found faithful. The first one is simply this. The first one is the opinion of others. How many of you have noticed that there's no shortage of opinions in this world? You ever noticed that? And I don't think it's any different in the U.S. than it is in in Canada. That there's no shortage of people who have an opinion about everything. People have opinions about everything, including you. And I just want to encourage you that God had a purpose for you before anyone had an opinion. And that your destiny, and thank God, your destiny, my destiny, it isn't up for debate. But it's already been decided. It's been decided by God and it's up to you and I to discover. But here's what I'm finding that few people actually discover their God purpose because they're too busy listening to the opinion of other people. I believe that we're called to be called to be different. And if you allow yourself to fall prey to the labels that people put on you, you'll always sell yourself short of the purpose of God for your life. How many of you have noticed this, that people are always looking to put a label on you? People are always looking to tell you what you can't do, what you won't do, what won't happen. But I want to encourage you that if God sees it in you and God says it about you, that that should settle it for you. That that we don't have to listen to what anyone else says based on what they see, 
but we can understand that we serve a supernatural God, and if he sees it and he says it, then that settles it. See, because people, they're always going to speak to your present, but God always speaks to your potential. Come on. Are you excited about the fact that God is speaking to your potential? That's why I believe it's vitally important that we that we're careful which voice resonates us with us the most. Which voice resonates with you the most? Is it the opinion of people or is it the voice of God in your life? I'll never forget when I was at the university, I had a speech class. And uh, this was rough for me. And to give you a little background, when I was in high school, my dad actually got me out of speech class because I couldn't talk in front of people at all. And we just kind of all as a family knew that. And I played basketball. I didn't want to be ineligible for it. And so I didn't want to fail speech class. So he got me out of it. And I was actually going to be stage crew for the plays. But then, man, it was the favor of the Lord on my life. Both plays got canceled. So I didn't have to do anything, but I still got a grade. It's awesome. Um, But anyways, that's a side note. Um, when I was at the university, I had to take this speech class. First speech class I ever took, first speech I ever gave, was a two-minute speech about yourself. Who can't talk about themselves for two minutes? Apparently me. About 20 seconds in, my heart is pounding. My legs are shaking. My voice is cracking. And at 20 seconds in, I'm completely out of things to say. Because I've stuttered my way through the 20 seconds, and and I can't do it anymore. My heart is pounding too fast, and my voice is cracking and shaking too much to actually continue to talk. So I got a 20% on that speech. I'll never forget it. The rest of the semester, I never got better than a 30%. For those of you who aren't good with math, 30 out of 100 is not good. And so I went through the class, but, but I'm a hard worker, so, so I went through this class and I got all of the extra credit I could do. I did everything I could. I aced every written test. I did everything that I could to get a good grade because my goal was I wanted to be on the dean's list. Now, I wanted my name on the dean's list. And so, so I ended up with a high B in the class. Well, we came to this point in the class where the, the teacher, the professor said, well, hey, if you can get a better grade based on the exam, if it can bump you up to the next letter grade, then you can come take the exam. But if it won't, don't worry about it. You don't have to come. And most of you are probably like, so you didn't go. Oh, no, I was going. I wanted to get an A. And so I went, and I went up to the teacher after class. I'm so excited about it. I'm like, man, I think I have a high B, and I think that means this exam is going to put me up to an A, and I've aced every written test thus far, so so I'm going to be good. So I go up and talk to the teacher, and she's like, Josh, you have a high B in this class. And uh, technically, if you come to the exam, if you got an A on the exam like you have all the other written tests, you could get an A in this class. But Josh, don't come to the exam. Don't take it. Because I can't give you an A in a class called public speaking. Because you are the worst public speaker that I've ever seen. And if I gave you an A in a class called public speaking, I would lose my credibility as a teacher. So, Josh, be happy with a B and know that you're one of the hardest workers that's ever come through this class. But also, I saw that your major is business management. I would ask that even with giving you a B in this class, that you would do me a favor. I'm like, sure, what's that? Would you please let somebody else give the presentation? I thought, wow, I feel good about myself now. 
literally, it felt like I'd been kicked in the stomach. But at the same time, I was like, don't worry. I'm never going to. Like, I'm never going to speak in front of people. That's not something I even desire to do. And so I remember walking out into the hallway of that university, and I remember God spoke to my heart. Exactly what people say you can't do is what I'm going to use you to do. And it was all about him and had nothing to do with me. And from that point forward, I started to get into his presence and, and start to pursue his thoughts towards me and started to really try to gain his perspective on who I was and what he was calling me to do. And I would encourage some of you in here today that if you aren't currently practicing God's presence in your life, it is a game changer. If you'll start to practice God's presence, you'll get the proper view of yourself. Because some of us, we have a a misconception about ourselves that the enemy would love for us to continue to believe, but God has a purpose for you. And I want to encourage you that, that man, they call it as they see it. People always call it as they see it. They'll call you based on your present, but Jesus calls you on your potential. People say what they see, but God calls those things that be not as though they were. And we serve a supernatural God. So I believe wholeheartedly that every day of your life, you should be dependent on the grace of God for what it is that he's called you to do. But you can't even know what he's called you to do. You can't even know his thoughts towards you if you aren't in his presence. And if his voice isn't the one that resonates the most. So one of the big things that we have to overcome, if we're going to achieve the purpose of God, if we're going to be found faithful, is the opinions of people. The second thing is simply this, the opportunity to look down on yourself. The opportunity to look down on yourself. You're going to have opportunities, I'm going to have opportunities, to feel inferior, to feel like you're not good enough, to feel like you're unqualified. But I've found this to be true, that when you know who qualifies you, you no longer question if you're qualified. When you know who qualifies you, when you've been in the presence of God, and you know how big He is, and you know how great He is, and you know the supernatural God that we serve, you no longer question if you're qualified because you know that with Him all things are possible. You know that there is nothing that is impossible for our God. And so when you know who qualifies you you no longer question if you're qualified and can we just be honest in here this morning we're all unqualified if we're really honest we're all unqualified for what it is that god's called us to do we're all unqualified to a certain degree we all fall short in certain areas and i believe wholeheartedly that that our dreams should be so big that we need god to achieve them I don't know about you, but every single day I'm more and more aware of my need for God's grace. Because if His grace were out of the equation, I wouldn't want to be in the equation. If His grace were out of my life and out of my situation, I wouldn't want to be in it. If I didn't have His grace empowering me to do what I otherwise couldn't do naturally, there is no way that I would want to be doing it. Because I I believe that God has called us to to do something that seems like it's impossible for us. So we learn a dependency on Him and we understand that that is our life. Our life is an unforced rhythm of grace. Our life is His grace, His empowerment, His ability on top of our ability to do what we otherwise could not do. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God in my life. The Bible says that God resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble. I think sometimes the reason we have the wrong view is maybe because we're looking down on ourselves because we've made it all about us. 
And for a long time in my life, I had to get over myself. One of the biggest things with, with speaking, with leading, with all of it was get over myself. Start to care more about the people that I was speaking to than how I looked while doing it because I was so self-conscious. I was so absorbed with, man, what am I going to look like while doing this? What are people going to think? Am I going to be able to do it? And really, that was all rooted in pride. But when you start to make it all about God, God, how do you want to use me today? God, what would you have me to say to people today? God, God, what would you, who would you have me to, to influence? Who would you have me to encourage on my job today? Who would you have me to just bless on my job today? Things start to look differently when you start to live a grace-infused life. The grind doesn't really look like the grind anymore. Notice the opportunity to look down on yourself, it can come not only from a wrong perspective of of who you are, but it can come from a wrong perspective of of where you are. What should you think about David for a moment again? David, he gets anointed king by Samuel. But where does David go after he's anointed king? I find it interesting that David, after he's anointed king, he doesn't get ushered right into the kingdom. He doesn't get acknowledged by all the people as the king. In fact, David, after he's anointed king, he goes right back to the field. There were still things in David that needed pruned. There were still attitudes in him that needed to be, to be pruned, and there were still things that God was doing in him to prove his character. There were still things going on in David that needed to happen for God to mold him into the man that he'd called him to be before he took the office of king. See, you can be anointed, but not appointed. You can be anointed, but not yet appointed. David found himself in this place where he's anointed, but he's not yet appointed. And David, he actually had to wait from the time that he was anointed to to being appointed king over Judah, 15 years. 15 years. And then he had to wait another seven years to be king over all of Israel. And sometimes we have trouble, if we're honest, waiting for seven months. He had to wait for 22 years before he took over the the whole thing. But I love this about David. In Acts 13, 22, we found one of the keys to success, or we find one of the keys to David's success in being faithful. In Acts 13, 22, it says this. It said, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I want to ask you in here today, are you willing to do everything that God wants you to do? I believe in in order to have this attitude, because it's an attitude of our heart. God said, David is a man after his own heart. What was the heart position? God, I'll do anything. God, anything that you want me to do. It's It's a position of humility. It's a position of God. If you want me to do that, no matter what it looks like, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I believe in order to have this heart attitude, though, we've got to change how we view the fields. We've got to change how we view the fields. I don't know what field you're in today, but I would venture to say that some of us are maybe not where we want to be yet. Some of us maybe haven't started to step into what God's called us to yet. Maybe you haven't even discovered what you're called to do. I don't know what season 
you're in right now. But I would venture to say that, that we're all in a field. And I'm a firm believer that, that everything is preparation for the next thing God's going to do. And everything prepares you for the things that are coming. So I want to ask you, when it comes to your field, do you see it as an opportunity or an obligation? Because I believe when it comes to our field, our perspective is so vitally important. Your perspective, in fact, it determines your progress. Our perspective is so important. I believe that we have to have something that David had, and that's field vision. I love football. Anybody else who like the NFL, like football? A couple of you, maybe. Um, but, but I've always really liked quarterbacks. I've always really liked watching quarterbacks and what they do and how smart they are and, and just they know things before it happens. And it's amazing to me that, that quarterbacks, they literally know where every receiver is going to be to the point where they'll throw the ball before they even cut, and then the receiver will cut, and the ball hits them right there. That's amazing. Why is that? Because I believe quarterbacks have something called field vision. They can see the play before it actually develops. They can see what's about to happen before it actually takes place. I want to ask you in here this morning, when it comes to your life, when it comes to what God is doing in your life right now, do you have field vision? That even if you don't like where you're at right now, you can see God's grace all in it. That even where you're at right now, you see God's purpose in it. And that you see what He's doing. And you see what's about to come through it. You see it before it develops. You have field vision. You see what God is doing. This will change whether you view it as an obligation or an opportunity. This will change... Whether you view preparation like a privilege or a, a pointless process. And this is important. Your perspective is so vitally important. Why? Because your perspective makes the difference between being thankful and feeling entitled. See, it's hard to be faithful and entitled. But I've found that the most faithful people I know are also the most thankful in every season of their lives. Because they see God moving. They don't lose their vision of where God's taking them. And they know that God is in it because every single day, based on a relationship with God, they're getting in His presence, they're finding His perspective, and they're allowing Him to use them to influence people in their day-to-day -day right where they're at. How do you view your field? Do you view it as God has me here and He's doing something great? Because maybe what you're viewing is trivial, or is trivial. God views as pivotal in positioning you for purpose. Maybe what you're viewing in your life is trivial. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. God views as pivotal for getting you to your purpose. I'll never forget, I, uh, when I was young, I did uh, Bible school. And like after the speech class, somewhere in there, I went to Bible school and didn't do well in the speeches there either, but that's another story for another day. Uh, but then I came back from Bible school after two years, just ready to go. You know, I had been to two years of Bible school. I knew just enough to get myself in trouble and uh, was full of zeal. I was excited. I was ready to go. And I felt like God spoke to my heart, man, go back and serve your pastor, whatever that looks like. Just go back and serve his vision. So I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to be on the front lines of ministry. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I'm ready. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here we go. And uh, <laughs> that led me straight to the housekeeping team where I cleaned toilets, swept carpets, and uh, picked up trash on the hill. And I'll never forget, I made coffee every morning, and then I would go do trash on the hill. Made coffee, 
the trash on the hill. See, I see God's purpose in that preparation time because that's where I started drinking coffee. I never drank coffee before then. So bless the Lord at all times. Come on. Um, but I'll never forget making the coffee and going down and doing trash on the hill. And, and my perspective wasn't that great. Have you ever been in, maybe it's even the right place. You know God called you there, but you've had the wrong attitude and maybe the wrong perspective on being there. So I had the wrong attitude, wrong perspective. I'm walking down this hill with these trash grabbers in this trash can, picking up trash. And uh, I remember I was just going through it. I was just upset. And I was having this, like, inward conversation with God. I was like, God, why am I here? What's going on? Surely you didn't call me a 1,000 miles away to Bible school to call me back here to pick up trash. Like, surely there's got to be more for my life than this. Like, did you forget about me? God, where are you? I, I'm right here. Where are you? I think I feel like I met you at this part of the plan. And, and where are you? Are you in this? Is your purpose here? Like, what's going on? And how many of you know that usually when you have a wrong attitude, people will come and accompany you in that wrong attitude? I can't even make this up. Literally, as I'm thinking that to myself, a lawn care crew comes by. And they roll down the window and say some very degrading things to me involving profanity as well, and uh, let me know how low on the totem pole they think I am. And the problem with that was, I thought I was low on the totem pole too. I was like, God, this is meaningless. And they basically told me what I was doing was meaningless. It was crazy. But as I'm walking there and I'm having this inward conversation, I felt like God spoke to my heart. Until you view this with the same enthusiasm that you would the job you think you want, you'll never get it. That changed everything. That was a perspective changer. That got me on my knees and got me into the presence of God. Like, God, you're right. God, change me. God, God, there are some things in me that I don't like. There's some pride in me that I don't like. God, I need to be, I need to be pruned in this season. See, I believe that God will always use seasons of preparation to prove your character, to prune you of things like pride that could set up a fall later on, and to go ahead and, and prove your heart. To go ahead and prove your heart. Where is your, where is your heart at? Again, it's in the fields that God's able to do this. I believe it's faithfulness in the small things that lead to the bigger things. I believe that the key to what's in your heart is found in your hand. What has God placed in your hand right now? And what are you doing with it? What opportunity do you have right now? What has God given you? What gifts has He given you? Where you're at right now? Are you serving in the church with those gifts? What are you doing with what God's given you? Because what you do with what's in your hand is often the key to what's to fulfilling what's in your heart. God's put some dreams in you, but you've got to start to do something with what He's given you if you want Him to fill, fulfill the dreams that He's placed in you. You've got to do something with what's, what's in your hand. I want to ask you today, what is in your hand and what are you doing with it? Because I want you, want you to know this, and I've learned this over the years is still learning this as I go. Never underestimate the significance of steps of obedience. Because steps of obedience are so vitally important to our lives. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. It says, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Throw yourself into the work of the master. Paul also wrote, and he said, serve the Lord enthusiastically. See, I, I think there's something about this heart position. 
And, and I can't help but think that there's something to being faithful that involves you just not half-heartedly dipping a toe, but you just saying, God, here we go. I'm ready for the journey. And I know the joy of this journey isn't the destination, but it's allowing you to use me every single step of the way, every single day to impact people around me. So God, I'm not just dipping my toe in, but I'm jumping in. There is nothing worse, can we be honest, than people. I, I went through swimming lessons, right? And anybody do swimming lessons ever? Anybody swim? Okay, maybe three of you. Awesome. So I did swimming lessons. This is a side note. And, and there was nothing worse. I was always cannonball right into the pool. You know what I mean? There was nothing worse than, we'll just name him Billy. If your name's Billy, I'm sorry. But I'm sorry for the analogy. I mean, not that your name's Billy. Uh, but, but Billy, we'll just call him for now, would be over there dipping his toe. You know what I mean? Just feeling the water. And swimming lessons couldn't start. Everybody wanted to get to the deep end so they could go off the high dive. Swimming lessons couldn't start until Billy got in. The lesson couldn't even start. This happened every week. I'm not even kidding you. This is a personal story. I am still, like, therapeutically getting through it. I'm kidding. But, but Billy would just dip his toe. Every single week, I kid you not, Billy would just dip his toe. And it would take this kid 25 minutes to get in the pool. And it was like, jump in, Billy. Just jump in. And I believe that the purpose of God for this church, there are gifts that are in this church. God has appointed you and called you. There's a specific gift that he has placed in you to come and serve this house with. And everybody that is serving is looking like, come on, jump in. Because we can't go to the vision that's been placed in their hearts until you jump in. I believe that some of you right now, God is stirring in your heart. Hey, I put something in your hand. I've also put something in your heart, but the thing that is in your hand is what I'm asking you to step out in faith and use. Use it for me so that we can go. See, Billy wouldn't jump in so we couldn't get where we were going. I wonder how many are under the sound of my voice right now that God is waiting on you and this church is waiting on you to fulfill the vision because there is something that God has uniquely designed you to do. There's a gift that he specifically put in you to come if this is your home church and to serve with so that collectively you can accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. See, I've found that there's never collective significance without a personal sacrifice. But you've got you've to personally be willing to jump in. You've got to personally be willing to jump in. This is where the blessing of God is. This is where the favor of God is. I'm not here just telling you stories and fables about something that I don't know. I can honestly say that had I not jumped in with what little giftings I had when I was young, that I wouldn't be in front of you today. There's no reason for me to get to lead the things that I lead today. There's no reason for me to get to be a leader in our church other than I just used what I had. And God fulfilled things that I didn't even know I could do. And I want to encourage you, when I got planted, wasn't planning on going this direction, but I feel like this is for somebody. When I got planted, things started to get pulled out of me, giftings, graces that I didn't even know I had, that God identified in me through people, and they started to pull me forward. See, I believe before anything grows up, the roots have to grow down deep. The Bible says, whoever's planted in the house of the Lord, their life will flourish. Are your roots down deep? Because I believe that's what faithfulness in our context, in a church context, it looks like. And so throw yourself into the work of the master. Throw yourself fully into it. Confident that nothing that you do is a waste of time or a waste of effort. I love that. I love that. The third thing today is 
the opposition of the enemy. I believe that whoever God's appointed, whoever God's appointed, the enemy is always going to try to oppose. The enemy will always try to oppose God's appointed. And the reason that he does it is if you don't know, the enemy has a job description. The devil has a job description. He's pretty decent at it. His job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He doesn't want to see you fulfill your God purpose. He doesn't want to see you go from the field of preparation to the future purpose that God has for you. He doesn't want to see it. So he will stop at nothing to discourage you, to distract you, and try to deflate you and defeat you along the way. That's why the Bible says to stay on guard, to be alert of the devices of the enemy. Because he has some devices that he can use, but he can only use them if you allow them. And the only way that he can get in is if you listen to the voices of this world or the voices that you hear from, the thoughts that you hear from him more than you are God. That's the only way. And I just want to encourage a few people that God's, God's always going to give you everything you need to bring about the right outcome. And the right outcome is that we always overcome. The Bible tells us that trials, that storms, that circumstances, they will come. The enemy will stop at nothing to stop you, so he'll throw all types of stuff against you. He will try to stop you however he can. But I love that the Bible says... Jesus says, these trials are going to come, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I've overcome. I want to encourage a few people this morning that there might be things coming against you that are trying to get you to quit. But as long as you don't quit, you will always win. As followers of Jesus, we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We've been called here to this earth to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. When he bled and died and he rose on the third day, he rose with a victory that was your victory and my victory. We didn't even fight the battle, but we do get to enforce the victory. And some of you have been walking around like you're a victim when you're really a victor. There is nothing that the enemy can bring against you that you can't overcome. No thought, no opinion of a person, nothing that the enemy brings against you can stop you. The only way it can stop you is if you decide that it stops you by allowing yourself to quit. I believe wholeheartedly that God has something so special and so significant for each one of you in here. I'll end with this. I love in John 1, 5. Just want to encourage you with this verse. It's been an encouragement to me over the last few years. It says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can overcome it or the darkness doesn't overcome it. The enemy will stop at nothing to put the light out, but the light still shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot put it out. The enemy might be trying everything to stop you. The enemy might be trying everything in our current culture today to make it darker. But can I just encourage you with this? The darker it gets, the lighter the light shines. So in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your inability to do what you think God's called you to do, in the midst of your low opinion of yourself, is God's presence that you can pursue to get the right perspective on all of it to see you through all of it. And as you get the right perspective, you'll start to position yourself in a place of victory.
And you'll start to overcome certain things. And when you do, when you defy the odds of overcoming storms, when you defy the odds of maybe some of the struggles that you have with inferiority, when you start to defy the odds of whatever it is, maybe it's the opinions of others that have held you back for so long, when you start to defy the odds, it's not you that gets the glory. It's Him. And the light continues to shine. And the gospel continues to spread through your life. I don't know about you, but I live to hear these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to shine a light of his goodness and his grace through your life. And I want to encourage you that if your goal in life isn't to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, maybe realign your priorities. Maybe get into the presence of God and ask him, God, I know you've got a plan, but man, I want to discover it. I want to discover your plan. I want to be on the path that you've created for me because nothing will fulfill you. Nothing will give you the true sense of, man, I am, I'm a part of something great, like fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. It only comes through faithfulness. And it's all about his presence. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. God, I ask right now that you would stir a passion in them for your presence, to get into your presence so they could gain the right perspective. And God, if there's anyone in here that's dealing with a storm, a trial, a circumstance, God, I thank you that you would reaffirm their hearts in this moment, that they're not fighting for victory, but rather they're fighting from victory that you've already won it, that you've overcome the world. God, give them the courage, give them the strength, give them the grace to keep moving forward. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.